0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Amy Bender at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Amy.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Amy, uh, your, the story you read was so interesting. Could you talk about the way that you develop the worlds of these stories? I mean, these stories have peculiar worlds that, where inner and outer uh, are so concretely mm-hmm. real.
1: Thank you. Um, the story that I wrote half of when I was working on what became an invisible sign of my own, but it was just a scene that was tangential that didn't fit with that book at all, where the character wandered into this, this word store, this fruit and word store. So then that kind of separated out and sort of sat there for a few years until it became its own short story, and then I added the whole thing about the relationship. So it kind of took a while to figure out, I think, where the inner world was that fit with what that outer world was, then what the hope was connected to, the breaking of the hope. So that took that took time, but then it felt like those linked up, and then it felt like a complete story.
0: Now, as you craft stories, um, it seems to me that from what you just told me, that that that's a, a lengthy process for you. And, and how do you do you how do you keep track of all the various irons you have in the fire?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because some of them aren't so lengthy, which is nice. It's nice when they'll just sort of spit out and then be done. But like, I have a story. I I sort of will have folders on my computer labeled by years. And so I'll look back 10 years, and I'll still have, like, a story that needs an end or a half-finished piece, and so then I'll try to go back to that one. Because sometimes there's something about life that leads you to the ending of a story that I did not know how to end in 1998. You know, and now something has happened to me that then informs how I go about ending it.
0: Well, now, are are you still teaching?
1: Yeah, I'm teaching uh, mostly at USC and. Um, near downtown LA. And I've been doing this Tin House Summers Conference, which is a week in July in Portland.
0: Uh, Tell us about the Tin House Summer. It sounds interesting.
1: It's great, actually. It's been so fun. And I think I've gone now for five years in a row because I like it so much. and, And they've been super supportive. But it's a week, it's eight days. And they have poetry and fiction and a little bit of nonfiction. And they have readings every night and sort of craft talks during the day and it's on the campus of reed college and portland in july is beautiful and all the gardens are just exploding with flowers and there's just good food and just good company so i'll teach a workshop for seven mornings in a row something like that and people will bring in their work and so it's intensive but really it's a good experience
0: now, uh, Portland, if I'm not mistaken, is the home of Chuck Palahniuk and, and you guys share a lot of similarities in the way you write. Do you guys work together or talk?
1: You know, I've never met him and I would love to meet him because he's got such a strong great voice. So I like his work a lot and and the sort of darkness and absurdity and all of that just shows up in his in his writing. But I've never met him and it's funny because Fred, I'd heard he's in Portland. But but they're just different paths. So hopefully maybe this summer, maybe that'll be the meeting.
0: Um now uh Tell me what you're working on now for publication.
1: I'm working on a novel that is kind of in an editing stage where I'm kind of going back in and sort of re, you know, trying to deepen and complicate what's there. But I think a lot of the structure's in place. So it's coming along. It's just the kind of still in an intensive mode. But hopefully it's in its, you know, last stage. Just who knows how long that last stage will be. It may get drawn out, but it's not. It's certainly I have a, quite a bit of it ready.
0: Now your work is so unusual and, and unique and now you place it in a lot of uh, uh, literary magazines and McSweeney's and stuff. Uh, could you talk about um, your interaction because even for those places I think it must seem a, a little bit outre. Uh, could you talk about uh, some of the reactions you get to it?
1: I, mean, I think it's when I was first sending out stories it took a while to find the places. I mean I think I was sort of figuring out my own writing to. And then it took a while for the places to, to, for me to find the places that felt receptive to what I was writing. So, and then I think it it kind of snowballed in a nice way where it became easier to find various, you know, corners or places or Zizova, as the um, San Francisco or Bay Area journal. guy had said once in an interview that I re- like to write, do exercises about fonts and Howard Junker was wrote me an email or a note and said, so does that mean you have stories about fonts? Because I'd be interested in taking a look at that. And that's not something I would have thought anyone would have wanted to see. So that was actually a really nice thing about, you know, the contact of the editor looking for something different. And then, so then they did publish a story of all these little font vignettes um, where all the characters are fonts and Garamond and Espy and Helvetica and all of them. So so I think that was, you know, this is of it being a great journal that is just interested in, and a whole range of of, kinds of writing. So I think sometimes it will still feel hard, um, but I think there's a lot of interest in a lot of different kinds of writing. And actually, I think it's a good time for sort of magical writing in America right now. It feels like a ripe time.
0: Yeah, it it certainly does. Um, I'm wondering, uh, your work seems like it'd be really uniquely suited for um, experimentation on the Internet. Have you considered that?
1: I haven't done that much, but like, there's one website called locusnovus.com where I gave them a story. They do stories where then they're illustrated with flash animation, but they do it, so they have all these various stories on there, and I loved them, and so I sent them a very, very short piece, because it has to be short in order for the, just the you know pages and the animation to work together, and they did such a really cool job with that. So, so I loved that that happened, and it would be really fun to do more of that, too, but I haven't done anything in a while. So that's maybe just an open question mark for me to think
0: about. Yeah. Now, could you talk a little bit about um, the influence of being a, a teacher and a writer at the same time, how that crosstalk happens for you?
1: I mean, it's it's interesting because teaching is so social. So it feels like on the one hand, they're very similar because it's writing and talking about writing. But the other hand, they're so different because writing is, you know, me in the chair and the computer and that kind of solitary wrestling. And then teaching is about interacting with people and trying to talk about ideas and look at their work and talk about their work but it's then they go off to do their writing in a solitary way and then they come back and we talk about it so it's just I feel like there's something very distinct in that way but what's good about teaching is it constantly means that the teacher has to refine her notion of what writing is so I'm always up there thinking well what does writing mean to me this year that's different than last year what are the things that are preoccupying me and I'm amazed at how a class doesn't work if I just do the standard things that worked last year if I'm no longer interested in them. like I, I feel like the students do better if I'm more um, actually engaged in what I'm teaching for myself. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but but it's true.
0: Well, you, what you just said really interests me. What, How have your interests changed and how has that changed your writing?
1: I think they're always changing in a certain way, so it's it's such a big question, but I guess I would say that um let me try and think of something specific in the moment i think um no, know like like linda berry has a great exercise in her book what it is which is this writing book about writing and it, it's has the students she teaches this writing class which sounds fantastic and she says write about 10 different mothers you knew growing up um, which is such an evocative exercise right not your own mother, but 10 other mothers that you knew, you can immediately start thinking of these mothers who somehow felt really specific, of course, and you're kids, you're observing very kid-like things. So I think maybe um, trying out exercises like that when I've been almost exclusively trying to push students out of reality to think, well, I can mix in some of the reality too and then push them out of the reality that there's space for both. So I think that's part of it. Or if I'm particularly compelled by... Um, how a writer stretches time than to say let's do an exercise specifically about how you can leap around in time. So it's changing constantly, semester to semester, which I think it should be. I think, you know, my own engagement with writing should always be refreshed in some way.
0: We're, we're, you know, engaged in a really intensely political time right now. And I wonder if you consider, talk to me uh, about how uh, politics are considered in your writing, if at all.
1: Well, it's like I mean I think they always get in there right so it's it's I won't think consciously to say I'm going to write a political story that means X. And, for example, I have this story in Willful Creatures, the big man and the little man story called The End of the Line, which is a big man starts torturing a little man. And people will read that politically as sort of a statement about countries persecuting other countries or slavery or all these various ways it can be read, which is really exciting for me that people can see that in it. But I didn't necessarily go in there with that agenda. In fact, I found it like a scary story to write because I thought what does this mean? You know, what is this story about, really? And the fact that it can be about things that are political feels very satisfying or it can be read al- allegorically that way. So, I mean, I feel really excited about Obama, really excited about the new administration coming in, so I feel hopeful politically, but it also feels like a very intense time financially, and there's, there's good change and scary change ahead. So, I mean, generally, I think creatively that's a good thing for people, but, but do I... Do I have a specific agenda in terms of my work? No. And,
0: and it interests me that you're that you talk about how um, your work can be interpreted in specific ways, but that you yourself don't interpret in specific ways. Do you leave it open for diffraction for from different viewpoints deliberately?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I what I'll try to do, and and I don't try sit down trying to do this, but what I think happens is to really turn off that part of the mind that's the analytical part and really have that part go to sleep while I'm writing and that part can come in later and it comes in the rest of my life it's a pretty strong part of how I like to pick apart things and look at the world but in writing I feel like looking for meaning is actually not my job and my job is more about trying to tell the story or try to find the thing that feels charged so that I know there's meaning in it it's like I can have an intuition that something you know George Saunders I think calls it the the spark in the story or or the juice or the charge or something where you just you can kind of feel that. And that lets me know, okay, there's some symbolism here, there's some layer here. But I don't want to know what it is, because once I know what it is, it actually will short circuit the story.
0: I've been speaking with Amy Bender. Her latest book is Willful Creatures. Thank you for joining me, Amy.
1: Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me always.